Palo Alto featuring Babylon with Good Times, just something that you can grab a drink, sit back, relax, and just have a good time. And that's exactly what it's all about. The song itself is called Good Times, so what am I saying, huh? Anyway, that will actually do it for this week's show. I do have one last song for you. It's called Mi Juan, or Fantasy, by Jolin Tsai. And the en- entire idea behind the song is kind of talking, addressing this idea of a fantasy world, this ideal fake world where everyone is equal, no one is above anyone else, everyone is born out of love, and everyone just treats each other with the same love and respect that you'd expect uh, for yourself and the, from the people that you care about deeply. So it's in the EDM style that Jolene has had established about three years ago with the release of the album Muse. And that will be the one that is playing us out. If you have any requests for me at all, don't hesitate to send it my way, asianwave101 at gmail.com. If you have any thoughts on this week's news, send it my way. I want to hear from you, asianwave101 at gmail.com. Once again, coming up next is our weekly arts report. Ashley is in here today, and she's brought some guests along, and they're going to be updating you on just some of the latest happenings in the local art scene, as well as an interview in addition to everything else. That will do it for this week's Asian Wave 101. Thank you all for joining me this afternoon. I'm Steve Zhang. Take care, and I'll talk to you next week. Jolien Tsai with Fantasy to play us out.
a lot of stuff ready for you. We have an interview with Penelope Corrin, a uh, actress from the new um, show, Are We Cool Now?, which will be playing at the Colch. We also have a lot more stuff for you today. We have my review of the Vancouver International Flamenco Festival, as well as BC Culture Days, a musical lecture coming up here at UBC uh, featuring Thompson Highway, as well as other things considering the um, UBC Museum of Anthropology, as well as one review of Blackbird by our arts co-director, Christine Kim. But for now, what we're going to do is we're going to go into a few commercials and then get back to our interview with, uh, with Penelope Corrin. I think it's much more interesting to live. My name is David Scott. I play wide receiver for the University of British Columbia football team, and I'm here to discuss the Be More Than a Bystander program. Myself and a few other players were lucky enough to work alongside the BC Lions and EVA, the Ending Violence Association, to support this cause. The main goal of the Be More Than a Bystander initiative is to increase awareness of domestic violence against women. For more information on the cause, please visit endingviolence.org. UBC's Museum of Anthropology displays long-term and visiting exhibits of indigenous art from around the world, and guided tours are free. Our permanent collection features one of the world's finest exhibits of Northwest Coast First Nations art. Our collection includes 36,000 ethnographic pieces, 535,000 archaeological pieces, and over 600 pieces in the Kroner Ceramics Gallery. There's a lot to take in. Luckily at the Museum of Anthropology, final exams are always take-home. If you've never checked out this world-class facility, now's your chance. The Museum of Anthropology is located right on campus and free for all UBC students and faculty. Come enjoy our collection and resources. The ISC is the International Student Association, a UBC club that presents and integrates the global student community. We're a home for international students on campus, and our aim is to provide a sense of belonging to international students. We host a variety of events, ranging from advocacy to social gatherings. We want to shed light on issues international students face at UBC in terms of housing, tuition, academics, and more. We hope to see you at our upcoming social events. Stay up to date with the ISA on our Facebook page, UBC ISA, or check out our website, ubcinternational.ca. You've ate here before. Community Eats is back for the summer. We are your local food co-op. We are your volunteer opportunity. We are your meeting place. We are your nutritious Friday lunch. We are sustainability. We are community. 
Eats every Friday. Come by with a reusable container, donate, and tell us what community means to you. Friday, 11.30 to 3 p.m. Food, fun, friends. All right, welcome back, listeners, to the Arts Report. In the studio, we have Ms. Penelope Corin with us today from Are We Cool Now? Welcome to the show. Hi, great to be here. And just a little bit of a background information for our listeners. Are We Cool Now? is a rock musical theater written by Ms. Um, Ms. Emile Gladstone. Mr. Mr., yes. excuse me. Uh, the show promises a unique and intimate look into contemporary interpersonal relationships, which is full of humor, heartache, insight, and really good music. It's, uh, I think it's uh, classified as an indie rock road trip and inspired and featuring songs by Dan Mangan, who is Vancouver's own indie darling, so to speak. So He, he must be a darling. I think that's a nice, <laughs> nice name for him. So first of all... Um, Penelope, what actually drew you to the project? What kind of made you think, I kind of want to work on this? Well, actually, it was a friend of mine um, who I met at UBC mm-hmm. a million years ago. Um, he saw the audition post come up, and uh, I happened to be playing. I was learning piano, mm-hmm. and my piano teacher had given me a song to learn by ear, and it happened to be a Dan Mangan song. Oh, wow. I had it open <laughs> on the computer, and then this email popped up, and mm-hmm. it was my friend saying, hey, I think you'd be perfect for this. Why don't you audition? And there it was, you know, you needed to be, you know, have a comedic background, but mm-hmm. also be able to play guitar and sing. And um, so those are all kind of in my wheelhouse. So I auditioned and here we are. That's actually a, a good thing that you told me. I was actually going to ask if you listened to Dan before the musical, if you were really intimate with his songs, like you knew them quite well, or if you heard of him. Or... Well, that was the thing. I mean, I yeah. I was deeply ensconced in the Toronto world by the time mm-hmm. that this all happened, so I kind of missed the movement of his like enormous bursting onto the scene here. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I didn't know him very well, and I just knew that one song that I was learning on the piano. And, uh, of course, now I'm thrilled to be part of it. I love his music. And what exactly is, I guess, um, about the performance itself with his music, how does it really affect the, the relationship between the characters? Because I know it's about a indie rock road trip, but how does his music kind of capture or kind of emphasize the relationship between the two characters? Well, I think uh, the thing that's kind of unique about this musical mm-hmm. is that the the songs aren't really forwarding the story because ah, they came first. I see. Yes. So it's kind of just like our real life where the songs are, they emphasize an emotional moment in our lives. They kind of act as a soundtrack to those important moments. You know, like when you're going through something and you just need to hear that one song yeah. on repeat <laughs> over and over again. It's kind of like that where they punctuate the important moments, whether it's you know, something sad, something happy, mm-hmm. or anything in between. And I noted that you are a singer, so how did this music kind of challenge you? Oh, dude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, everything challenges me. So <laughs> I, um, uh, you know, sometimes there are songs that, you know, say when Dan Mangan sings them as he wrote them for himself, yeah. he can wail on them in a certain way or have this like excruciating feeling come out of him. He is so connected to the music. Mm-hmm. And and then for me, singing with a female voice in a different kind of register, it's like, how do how do you get that 
feeling without being the author of it, yeah. without um, having that kind of exact same vocal range. So mm-hmm. um, that's been a challenge. And there is a song that I really had to adjust some of the melody line. You know, they they were very kind enough mm-hmm. to like rearrange it for me a little bit because in my octave, it was way too high, for instance, for me to go into. So um, there have been little technical adjustments like that, but mostly it's about trying to stay true to the feeling of it. I think that's why so many people respond to Dan Mangan's music because it's just so honest, it's so raw, mm-hmm. and it's really about um, being true about what he's going through and how he perceives the world. And that thing about the octave, about re- about arranging it so that it fits you, do you have many you know similarities with your character, like personality-wise, or maybe the situation that she's going through? Oh, sure. Um, I think that's a nice thing about this show is that it's so relatable. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's about relationships, and I am in one, and I have been in and out of them before. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's it's a lot of it, I think, it comes down to the how do we communicate with each other in a way that we get each other. Mm -hmm. So um, if we can... um, you know, get across what we're trying to do without hurting somebody, awesome. But of course, that never works out perfectly. Yeah. So so I definitely can identify with <laughs> a lot of the misunderstandings or divergent pathways that our lives take, um, where we miss each other and mm-hmm. where we connect. Can you, tell, can you tell the listeners a little bit about working with your co-star, Mr. Ben Elliott? Mr. Ben Elliott, absolutely. <laughs> he's uh, he's a gem. Mm-hmm. He's been really fun. I mean, he is a really multi-talented guy. He's also the musical director of the show. Oh, and I didn't know that. Yeah, so yeah. he um, he's been great. And he, uh, thankfully, he works in a musical way that really worked with me, where mm-hmm. um, it's more about the sounds and the feeling of it as opposed to, like, here's some sheet music, learn it, um, because I work in a similar way, sort of by ear, sort of by feel. So um, he's been great, really encouraging. He's uh, he's funny and fun, and, and I think it was a good uh, – I'm happy. It's been a good pairing. We've, he's been a great scene partner. He's been a great musical director, and he's just been fun to work with, and, like, as I pretend to be in a band, you know? <laughs> Well, now that you mention it, live music, that's like, and you're also performing. I've seen pictures of you. You're holding a guitar and everything, so you are performing live. Mm-hmm. How How's that, like, different from, let's say, recorded music playing on? Like, what is the, I guess, the uniqueness of live music happening in front of your eyes that kind of uh, affects you, the artist? Um, well, I, it's really... A, a great thing. I mean, I have spent a lot of my more recent years mm-hmm. doing, say, TV or whatever, where you're not as connected to the audience. Um, so there is something um, just magical and, you know, I, kind intangible. Of alive. Yeah, kind of alive right in front of you. Absolutely. And so you're, you know, I'm connecting with all these people in that moment because mm-hmm. um, we got to do the show in Kamloops. It's a great feeling and you're sharing that moment as it is, like, as it's happening. The other flip side of it is that, for instance, <laughs> yes. um, one time we were doing this song and I'm supposed to capo the, my guitar on the second fret and okay. I did not. Uh-oh. So it, it was in the wrong key and I was the one starting it. Mm-hmm. So Ben, talent that he is, had to transpose the song on the fly. Wow. Yeah. So he just, he just went down to meet your, your arrangement, I guess. Yeah, yeah, he started playing the the chords that he plays, mm-hmm. and he realized it sounded 
really discordant. Uh And so he realized where I was, changed it as the bass player had also had to do. And thankfully, they were incredibly skilled Uh that they could do that because had it been me, I would not have been able to do that. (laughs) Well, what do you think that we as an audience who will be going to see your show at the Colch will enjoy about the performance that... Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I think there's so much to enjoy. I mean, this show is really one that I can say, honestly, I love it so much. I love so many parts of it. Mm -hmm. um, The music is great, and it's been rearranged, so it's fun. So if you love Dan Mangan's music, you're going to kind of come and see something that is familiar, but it's got a new take on it, Mm -hmm. so it's a lot of fun. I'm so excited about it. Um, Veda Hilly has come in, and she was she's she's a great musician, Mm -hmm. and she has tweaked things here and there and added some arrangements that I just think are so exciting. So there's that. Even if you don't know his music, like my mom, who is coming um, on opening night, she doesn't know Dan Mangan, (laughs) um, she'll enjoy it too. You know, like the music is great. The interpretation of it is great. But then also Mm -hmm. there's some really, uh, there's touching moments. And it really is a journey that um, I feel I go on in the course of the show. So I can only Mm -hmm. imagine that um, the audience will have that opportunity as well to go on that journey with us. And it is about a kind of like a a road trip that they're taking. Have you ever been on a road trip to, you know, for for music, like maybe, for instance, like Coachella, not that everyone goes to Coachella, but, you know, for instance, like did you ever go to like a road trip to see a concert or like a music festival? Yeah, you know what? Mm -hmm. Only now that you're asking me, it's had to take me back. Like, did I do that? And I remember when I was a student here at UBC, uh, we went... Uh, some of the gals and I went down to Bumbershoot in Seattle. Oh, my God. And uh, <laughs> who was playing? It was the Indigo Girls mm-hmm. and I think Sarah McLaughlin or something. Oh, no, uh, Ani DeFranco. Yeah. Anyway, so, yeah, we were, you know, it's a great thing when you're kind of gearing up and everything in that road trip is about that final moment and how is it going to be and is it going to be everything you dreamed of. And I remember I was very keen on the way to go to Jamba Juice because that was new <laughs> at the time and I thought that was a cool thing too. Mm-hmm. So I got to do all all of all of that, you know, really lived the dream on that road trip. But I, I like that you mentioned about the road trip itself because for other people who have gone on a, a, a road trip, the the trip itself is very intimate. You are sharing a car with just maybe a few people going to see this event. Everyone's kind of hyped up. Everyone's really emotional. Do you feel that in in the play itself, the emotional scene, did it, you know, draw out anything that? you yourself felt before prior oh absolutely Mm -hmm. there are things in this show that are so incredibly surprisingly and coincidentally connected to my life Mm -hmm. I will not reveal them (laughs) Um, but I can tell you that even I mean the show was in development when we did it the first time when we premiered it in Kamloops Mm -hmm. because it's Western Canada Theatre who has developed this show with Ami Gladstone and when we got there in March in the spring it was still the script was still evolving okay and so there were things that happened in the script that were not there in the original version that I read Mm -hmm. and then as I got there I said you know and I again I can't reveal it so it's a bit vague but but I said to the writer director I was like where did this come from and do you know what's going on with me in my life right now Uh and he said no oh my goodness uh (laughs) this is crazy so it was it's weird that those things happen so I'm definitely very connected to the material in in various moments well if you don't mind me asking what is your favorite song out of the entire play or you're not allowed to tell us that oh I can tell you that for sure it's hard to choose okay okay um I love um 
Uh, and it's probably not very original to the music that he has put out there, what people's favorites but put, are. But you put your own take on it, so it's but, different. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think Indie Queens mm-hmm. uh, is a great song. And um, the first time that I heard Basket mm-hmm. um, was, uh, it was just, I, I was told that that was the song that I had to do my callback audition. Okay. So I had to learn it. I put that song on and I bawled my eyes oh, out. Oh my God. And then I played it again mm-hmm. and it happened again. And I had to play it a few times. I was like, oh, this isn't going to happen every time, is it? Well, I can tell you pretty much it still happens every time. <laughs> I think it's the most heart-wrenching and beautiful song. Mm-hmm. And so I love that I get to perform it too. Well, we love that you are performing it as well. Um, again, for our listeners, this is Are We Cool Now? It will be premiering at The Colch on uh, September 30th, 8 p.m. That's opening night. It will be um, on October 1st to the 4th and 6th to the 10th at 8 p.m. And October 3rd, uh, 4th and the 10th will be at 2 p.m. Again, this is at The Colch, so the historic theater, 1895 Ven. This always gets me. Venables. Venables. Venables Street. I always think it's like French, so I gotta like roll something. Mm-hmm. I gotta roll something. And again, we were with. Um, <coughs> about that. <coughs> Penelope Corrin. Yes. Sorry. My... <laughs> While <laughs> your host is choking, I will take over temporarily. Thank you. Um, we are with Ms. Penelope Corrin, and this is again, Are We Cool Now? Thank you so much for your time, and I hope everyone will go see it. It sounds completely amazing, and it'll be sure to blow you away. Um, Please wait while we put on our sponsors. Thank you. Join Balloon Club, we guarantee that you will be able to make a balloon poodle within the first day. Here at the UBC Ant Club, we just like to talk about ants and compare ant farms. Uh, it's really cool. Paperclip Club is all about, well, paperclips mostly. At Blah Club, you can blah 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 There's only one club worth joining at UBC, and that's CITR 101.9 FM. We got free tickets to shows, whirly pops, professional help, and all types of audio engineering, passes to festivals, crazy parties, live band swag, all types of crazy people. Our programming manager rides a motorcycle. There's freestyle rapping, Nardwar, the human serviette, the vinyl and record libraries, Discorder magazine, free studio recording, and it sure beats the hell out of Paperclip Club, which is a thing that I just made up because I work at CITR. So come check us out on the top floor of the Student Union Building. we got all types of crazy shit for you to do. Or check us out online at www.citr.ca. For September's Discorder magazine, go to sea with Francesca Belcourt. I've been alone for a while now. Also 
featuring articles on TB Ugly, Other Jesus, DWAC Zine, Mesa Luna, Vivo, New Editions, and Jessica McQueen. Discorder is available around town at Vancouver venues, record stores, and more. Special thanks to this month's advertisers, Victory Square, Accordion Noir, Union Events, Neptune, Viv, Fringe, Recruit in Canada, The Rio, The Rickshaw, Vinyl Records, Project Space, Hastings Crossing Business Improvement Association, Live Van, and AMS Events. Welcome back to the Arts Report, everybody. So right now we will have a review of Blackbird by one of our co-directors, Miss Christine Kim. You're going to enjoy this as much as I have enjoyed listening to it. It's completely fabulous. And right after that, we're going to talk a little bit about BC Culture Days, uh, Vancouver Word Festival, as well as other cool, amazing things. So stick around. is called Blackbird. It was written by David Harrower in 2005. This year, it was recreated by Tanya Mativanan for the 2015 Vancouver Fringe Festival's Dramatic Works series. The premise of the play is this. A girl named Una confronts the man who sexually abused her when she was a child. The conversation that arises from this confrontation deals heavily with interlinking themes of love and perversity. When Una suddenly walks into the workplace of Ray after 15 years had passed from their previous encounter, Ray is shocked and immediately suspicious. He constantly asks whether or not Una was put up to the task of searching him out by a third party and does not relent in asking her to leave repeatedly. Una, on the other hand, is curious as to his life and wants him to own up to how he has irrevocably damaged her life. Parts of their conversation flickers from anger to rage to playful banter. As their conversation intensifies on the entire story of what actually happened after Una and Ray's first encounter unravels, the persistent attraction between the two characters becomes more and more evident. As the audience, you want to look away at times and deny the suggestion that this man truly loves Una to some extent and always had. The absurdity of this pedophile actually justifying his actions by claiming and having Una affirm her real attractions to him, even when she was only 12, mirror the absurdity of the set of the play. The set of the play is trashy. Literally, there are pieces of garbage all about the floor. But get this. There's also posters hanging on the walls advocating cleanliness to promote work safety. It's a major contrast that definitely leaves you thinking, it shouldn't be like this. The posters contrast the reality of the workplace, just like the court case ruling a pedophile raping a 12-year-old girl contrasts the reality of what the audience is seeing. They're seeing Una's willingness and strong desire to sleep with Ray. Ray has feelings for Una, and like I said before, so does Una. They always did have feelings for each other. But one is desperately trying to move on from these feelings, while the other feels the need to continue to cling on. The raw desperation in Una's voice when she screams Ray's name as he walks out the door and abandons her to an empty room 
struck an emotional chord, I'm sure, in many of the audience, and for many of the audience members. I think Stephanie Isaac, the actress that played Una, did a fantastic job in capturing Una's hurt but longing heart. This play sheds light on the long-term damaging psychological and emotional effects sexual abuse has on its victims long after the acts of abuse end. Una can't find closure, and Ray is not willing to give it to her. Their emotions for each other seem sick and wrong, but entirely true. This is a play that spins a case of statutory rape into a love story and leaves you wondering how in the world it did. From start to finish, I would say that Tanya Mativanen's distinct directing style was all over this play. A very small cast, really only two main performers, one unchanging set, and lots of intense emotional dialogue. These are four key facets of the production that reminded me constantly of Tanya's previous works, like No Exit and The Zoo Story. Overall, and I guess in conclusion, I would say the play did a good job in weaving a captivating story that definitely kept my attention. And it did pick up in intensity and clarity, I would say, in the latter half of the play. And that's all for my Blackbird review. Thanks for listening, guys. And welcome back to the Arts Report. Man, that was um, that's some heavy stuff today, wasn't it, guys? Didn't expect that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, joining I sh- I me. Should've. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen see some hardcore stuff. That's true. That's true. But again, it, it does kind of um, raise the question of should we not push it in art? You know, should we shy away from these themes of violence and you know other kind of sensitive material, or should we you know show it because you know art is not supposed to be this ideal, but it's supposed to be kind of a mimesis of the real. You know, that kind of thing, I guess. Uh. Sure. If if the if the art is good, <laughs> then yeah, show, mm-hmm. do it. Um, if it sucks, then then don't. Okay. Yeah. Don't do it for shock value. Anyways, today at the studio, I'm joined by two guests. Feel free to state your name into the microphone, please. Hi, I'm Andy. I've been here for a few weeks. I guess. Hi, Andy. Hi. Hi. <laughs> and hi, I'm Dama. I'm just sitting in on the show. Been a member for about two weeks too just hey welcome to CITR so how do you like the arts report so far oh it's really nice I really like the interview with the actress and stuff and yeah just looking forward to figuring out what else the show's about great great well just for anyone else who's listening if you do want to get involved with your local radio if you want to get involved with arts report which is admittedly the coolest show ever in my opinion it's an opinion piece my opinion then feel free to hang out at CATR. It is club day here at UBC until this Friday. So if you want to come by, check us out. We are giving tours starting at noon. But speaking about tours and speaking about looking at things, what? Did someone say BC Culture Days? Yes, it great, was me. That's a great segue. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Absolutely flawless. <laughs> Anyways, it is the BC Culture Days for people who don't know. Starting on September 25th, 26th and the 27th, you are invited to explore new and surprising ways to express your love of culture and share the passions of many talented artists, designers, crafters, writers, and other creative people in Vancouver. And it's what? It's all free! It's free! So definitely take advantage of it. What Culture Days does is it raises the awareness, accessibility, participation, and engagement of Canadians in the arts and cultural life of their communities. 
And with the support of volunteer groups at the national, provincial, and local levels, we have a lot of artists, cultural workers, organizations, and volunteers here to show one of the coolest things about Vancouver. There's stuff like visual arts and crafts. There's stuff about dance. There's, it's all over the place as well. And one thing I want people to kind of take time to check out is actually the heritage tour. So there is a culture tour in St. Andrew's Wesley, which is a church which opened in May 1933. It's known for its 27 stained glass and faceted windows. Its oldest artifact is an English 18th century Lord's Prayer, which is a prayer board. Its newest artifact is a Tibetan prayer sand mandala created the church in 2009. And that's happening this Friday, September the 25th, 11 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. at St. Andrew Wesley Church. Another thing that people might want to try to take is actually the Orpheum tour. So do you guys know about the Orpheum in downtown Vancouver? Of course. It's... I just moved in like a month ago. So well, now not. you have the chance to take a tour. Amazing. <laughs> well, the Orpheum, if you don't know, is a kind of a theater in downtown. It's quite you know big. You can't miss it. And Vancouver Civic Theaters opens their doors for a public tour of the Orpheum, which is Vancouver's favorite concert hall that is to be debated that this is an opinion piece <laughs> <laughs> and it is a canadian national historic site and home to the vancouver symphony orchestra and the orpheum shines with old world glamour and stories of vancouver's entertainment past present and future bc entertainment hall of fame will guide behind the scene tours filled with stories of the past and interesting tidbits that will engage all ages a piano on the streets performance will wow crowds and celebrate the newest curated piano in the city which is a beautiful Broadwood and Sons grand piano that's older than the Orpheum itself. This is on Saturday, September the 26th, 1 o'clock to 4 p.m. at the Vancouver Civic Theatres on 601 Smith, 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 Smith? I'd say Smith, but I might I, be completely wrong. I don't know. That's the thing. I, I, I think it's Smith, but on the bus, the bus lady pronounced it as Smite Street, like that, mm. just in that same robotic voice. But I don't know. She says other things that are really weird, like Arbutus, like Arbutus or something. Ah, <laughs> oh, but the bus lady has the final word on how street names are I guess you're right. It, it's probably Smythe Street. It probably is Smythe now that if you say the bus lady says it like that. Well, I don't know if it's a bus lady or if it's like a robot. I don't think it's – I think it's an actual recording I, okay. person. Well, she, yeah. she has a very, very monotone voice and <laughs> – I'm really impressed by it. I thought it was a real robot. Unless it's a real robot, then I'm impressed by how realistic the robot sounds. I know that the SkyTrain lady is definitely a real person who's like a professional yeah. um, rec like transit recording person wow, across North America. Uh -huh. Yeah. I wonder what kind of job. Anyway, anyway, anyways, I'm now going off topic. But yeah, there's a lot of cool things happening. And I think one of my friends told me this, but they say the Orpheum is haunted. I, I believe that. Yeah, so I wonder if they'll tell any ghost stories at the tour, which someone should tell me if they go. Another thing is, if you guys are also interested, this is called Being Prepared. You get to learn um, from bee and garden experts how to winterize your bees, harvest your mason bee homes, and prep your pollinator-friendly garden for next spring. So if you have bees, or would love to learn on how to keep bees, then um, feel free to check out Being Prepared. This is at um, the Chart Public Art Marpole um, at um, Oak Park Fieldhouse at 7575 Fremlin Street. So Vancouver has a lot of cool stuff happening. And again, this is BC Culture Days. It starts September 25th to the 27th. It is all completely 
free. And I think most of it is all ages. I will be attending one myself. This will be at Granville Island on Saturday. It is a uh, Dia de los Muertos sort of celebration, Day of the Dead. I'm really excited for that. And uh, speaking about Spanish, but no, that's Mexican, but that's, this is a what? lot more different. Um, Spanish is Mexican. I'm from Argentina. Okay, well, some people... Well, Me- okay. well Mexicans speak Spanish. Yeah, Mexicans that's what I meant. Spanish, but... Spanish is the whole language. Spanish is, is the whole language. Is Dia de los Muertos a Mexican-only holiday? It is a Mexican-only holiday, okay. yeah. But the reason why I'm saying going to Spanish is because now that's my segue into oh. talking about the Vancouver International Flamenco Festival, which, you guys, kind the of skewered. The language is the same. It works, the skewered. language. <laughs> Anyways, um, as you know, a few weeks before, we had... Rosaria Anser, who is here for an interview about the Vancouver International Flamenco Festival, which luckily I actually got to see. I attended Understanding Flamenco on uh, Thursday, September 17th at the Vancouver Public Central Library. And my gosh, guys, it was a delight from what I could see in the back row because it was quite packed. So <laughs> <laughs> luckily, it was kind of dark. So I, could, I could just stand up and kind of like scoot into the aisle to see what was happening but man from the angle i could see those legs were a kick in it was great one thing i kind of surprised me about flamenco was that um and rosero mentioned this that it's not all about kind of this static like rhythmic like bump 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 there is a rhythm to it but she she mentioned that there is a flow which i noticed as well there's a lot of um movements to it that kind of play upon the audience expectation and then there are complete like spins and sort of stomps that just like accentuate and kind of have like an end point that's like really cool and one thing that i noticed and that she mentioned this as well is that music is very integral in the performance i was watching the show itself and the um the guitar was going this is by uh, victor um uh by Victor Col- Colsti. I probably said it wrong, I'm so sorry. And um, we had a live singer happening, and at first I thought they were gonna dance like, right away. But it was just a lot of singing, a lot of guitar playing, and rhythmic clapping. So they were clapping along to the beat. Some were the same clap, some were on the off beats, and the dancer was kind of waiting. And then just when you least expect it, she starts dancing. So it's kind of not, I don't know how so to explain like a, it. there's a build-up. Yeah, there's a build-up. It was really cool how the um, how the guitar had a lot of sway over how the person moved. Uh-huh. So there's some basic stuff that, you know, she's doing, but basically it's all it's mostly improvised. And she does it with the feeling of the guitar. And I think I know, understand what Rosario mentioned about passion before. It was a lot of, you know, feeling. There's a lot of... Some dances have a lot of restraint. Like, for instance, ballet. Ballet is all about controlled restraint and, you know, the pose and making right, sure it's right. all kind of, you know, uniform. Whereas with flamenco, and they even had a group performance, so it's not all just solos. With flamenco, what I noticed was everyone, you know, they, they did kind of intermingle and whatnot, but there was, like, a different sort of style or personality to each dancer and their dancing dancing technique Mm -hmm. that felt very kind of like we are not a uniform you know manufactured group 
but this is all different kind of voices coming into play to make a really kind of bold harmony. Right. Uh, that's a that's a very like Latin thing to have yeah. in oh, really? in dance and music mm-hmm. a lot. Like in Argentina, we have tango, and yeah. I do have friends that do flamenco and tango. Oh, cool! And that's something where like both of the dances and a lot of other dances like samba mm-hmm. in Brazil that I also lived in, uh, <laughs> they're all very much about like the individ- individuality and the passion of a person and mm-hmm. bringing that out uh, through the through the song, just like feeling it and improvising it at the time. Because mm-hmm. there's no you can take flamenco lessons, you can take tango lessons, but yep. you can't really learn the passion behind it you can't it's something that has to like come from within you and then you just she mentioned that too that you if you wanted to do flamenco it has to come from within it cannot be kind of hammered into you that you have to really want it and like every movement needs to be with feeling like even i feel like i'm feeling (laughs) a few weeks before you join us again christine um yeah jake interviewed a flamenco dancer and a Uh guitar player um and they moved to um, somewhere in spain i forget where it is yeah but like they moved their whole lives to like practice flamenco it's in you it's in you you. yeah it's in you i also saw one other performance this was by cadiz cadiz de la frontera de la frontera i hope i said that frontera yeah yeah and by andres peña and pilar ogala company in spain and this is at september 19 2015 that was saturday at the vancouver playhouse completely floored me amazing amazing it was exactly what Rosario was going uh, she told us it would be great and it totally was um, one thing that she mentioned in her understanding flamenco was flamenco was an evolving art style that even though there was some basics to the footwork the way that people can dance is a little bit different now in the contemporary one example she mentioned was that back in the day and this is her words that I'm paraphrasing, uh, men had a much more of a solid kind of dance style, not much grace. The woman was all about the grace and the flowing movements. But now now they're in the, in the contemporary, she said now men can have that kind of grace and can have kind of that, that vulnerability and women can have much more you know masculine strong poses. And I actually noticed that, maybe it was me, maybe I was projecting, but I don't know. I felt like I noticed that when I saw them dancing. It was quite... Um, as she mentioned, sensual. There was a lot of, um, I guess, I don't know how to explain it. <laughs> Again, movements, movements that were very intimate that I completely was like, whoa, oh my God, this is happening right in front of me. I felt a little bit like, whoa, this is hot. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, sensuality is, is a big thing. It's a really big thing, I noticed. And, um, but all in all, a really beautiful visual spectacle and a really kind of like the music again i'm gonna gush about the music music was excellent as usual a brilliant accompaniment to what i saw and yeah that's kind of like my review on the vancouver international flamenco festival i hope people still take advantage of it it is going on until sunday september the 27th and there's a lot of free workshops still happening and a lot of shows that are still dying they're dying for you to come watch them it is completely great listeners i really really suggest that you go and take a look so is it every night until sunday i think it's every night until sunday but if people want more information they should search vancouver international flamenco festival and see what's going on because i know some days they're doing a show and other days they're doing a workshop but it's not on the same day okay so if people want to go see a show they should check it out if people want to do the workshop they should go check it out as well. And now, one thing I want to talk about is another festival that's happening in Vancouver. There's a lot of cool stuff, which people should always check out. 
This is Word Vancouver. This is on Sunday, September 27th at 11 to 5. This is at Library Square. And people should come by. It's the free festival of reading and writing. So we have a lot of writers. We have a lot of poets. We have a lot of creators who've all come by. And they're going to do readings. They're going to do workshops. They're going to do a lot of cool stuff. It's also kid-friendly, so if you have a kid, you can bring your kid along, too. It's educational. It's, like, fun educational. It's ed fun educational. Anyway, it's, like, fun and educational. And this is at the Library Square. So, again, Vancouver Public Library, Central Branch. And um, I suggest people who are interested check it out, especially writers. So if you are a writer and you're interested in what local artists are doing, this would be a great place for you to kind of go and take a look but you know speaking of festivals speaking of culture people might wonder well what about local UBC what can we do well one thing I want to remind people of is CITR 101.9 FM we are located in the new nest which is on unceded Musqueam territory and one thing that people kind of you know forget especially university students is the indigenous people who we are currently, you know, you know, uh, currently occupying their land right now. And if people wanted to go see something really cool at UBC, and I, I really uh, suggest people go do this. This is um, we we have on Tuesday, September 29th, from 12 to 1 p.m. at the Roy Barnett Recital Hall at the School of Music. We have an educational and entertaining musical lecture in English and Cree by none other than Cree playwright, novelist, classical pianist, and songwriter, Mr. Thompson Highway. All right, I hope you theater geeks are freaking out because I'm freaking out right now. Yes, Mr. Thompson Highway. He's one of Canada's cultural treasures. He's an award-winning author of the novel, Kiss of the Fur Queen, and of the plays, The Red Sisters, Dry Lips, Autumn Move to Capuscasing. I tried my best. Um, Ernestine Schuswap gets her trout and the postmistress. And he's also famous for his funny, moving, and raucous musical cabarets. And if you're wondering, how is the musical cabaret raucous? Well, this is what we will be um, seeing. It's a native literature in, in Canada today. The Cree subtitle is Ichi Puti It Kimama, which translated to Your Mother Has a Pointy Ass. So as you can tell, he's quite he's quite the jokester. He's quite the jokester. Very nice, very <laughs> nice. This is a joint presentation by the Department of Theater and Film, Department of English, First Nations and Indigenous Studies Program, and the School of Music. It is a free admission. Everyone is welcome. I strongly suggest people take the chance to take a look. Once again, this is at the Roy Barnett Recital Hall at the School of Music, Tuesday, September the 29th from 12 to 1 p.m. with Thompson Highway. And if you're wondering if there's anything else that we should be aware of, yes, there is. At the UBC Museum of Anthropology, this is coming up on Thursday, October the 1st, 2015 at around 4 p.m. They have a really, really, really cool, um, kind of like an, kind of like an educational seminar slash exhibit, but not really. It is um, about actually um, native uh, dramaturgy, which is quite different from what we're used to, which is kind of like the Western 
tradition. And um, one thing about it that I think that people should take a look is it is by our um, uh, a UBC PhD student, uh, Lindsay Lachamps, and it is it kind of like going into what makes um, native theater much more different in structure, you know, characterization, you know, setting, that kind of thing, and talking about, I guess, the, the interplay of spirituality and culture that goes into their performance. Like, a lot of times people, when they think about native theater, is they don't they don't really get it. They don't understand, you know, how is this different from, you know, what is what is the structure? What is the narrative? And I think it's really great for people to come by and take a look on what is native theater. And again, this is October 1st at the MOA. And I feel like everyone should take kind of advantage of it. All right. So now is a lot of talking. We're going to go <laughs> into a few more commercials. Okay. And then we're going to just finish up the show with a really lovely... Uh, accompaniment by Dan Mangan, uh, Vancouver's Indie Darling. I'm in over my head I've been thinking of leaving I've been wishing that I was dead Cause I'm not scared of dying Are you not sure where to go on campus? Traveling late at night and afraid to go alone? Call SafeWalk, a free service where a co-ed team will take you anywhere you need to go on campus. Don't walk alone. For a walk, add SafeWalk to your phone. Call 604-822-5355. That's 604-822-5355. Alternatively, use a UBC Blue phone and ask for SafeWalk. Approach any SafeWalk team or drop by our office on the main floor of the sub across from the gallery lounge. Because you're mine, I walk the line. Students Association offers students the chance to learn about global health and international development while providing students with opportunities for practical experience working within disadvantaged communities both locally and internationally. They also collaborate with other clubs to organize global health-related symposiums and competitions. Executive positions are available. Contact them at ubc.gosa at gmail.com. The UBC Ski and Snowboard Club is a nonprofit, democratic, student-run organization dedicated to promoting the sports of skiing and snowboarding and the associated lifestyle. We endeavor to make skiing and snowboarding accessible and fun by actively seeking out the best deals and discounts for our members, as well as organizing trips to local ski areas and setting up numerous social events. Come on one of our legendary trips and explore the glory of riding in British Columbia. Or join us at the bar to discover the true meaning of debauchery. Ask your roommate, ask your parents, ask the RCMP. Who has the most fun at UBC? You'll get the same answer. The Ski and Snowboard Club. Yeah. Joining the Ski and Board Club is easy. Come by our office, sub 115, anytime with some money to become a member. Your membership gives you access to all the deals offered by our sponsors, cheap beverages at our parties, an invitation to all club events, and of course, only members can come on the trips. Welcome back, 
listeners to the arts report. So now what we're going to do is we're going to just kind of, you know, end it out with a really nice song by Dan Mangan. This is the Indie Queens Are Waiting. As you know, Penelope, who was in earlier, she mentioned this song, saying that it was really, really nice. We want to share it with you guys. And after that, we will uh, we'll come back and introduce you to your upcoming program. Hope you guys enjoy. Down the road and on the right hand side There's a place I sometimes like to dine Coffee refills far as I can see I'll be waking Are you watching me? Are you watching me? Are you watching just waiting to see that your days are numbered cause my days are numbered too are we cool now are we cool now are we cool now are we cool bust down to the local record store Something to make you like me more Indie queens and tatted east side They are listening And always waiting And are you watching? Are you Are you watching? We're just waiting to see your days are numbered Cause my days are numbered too Are we cool now? Are we cool now? Are we cool now? Are we cool? you off and I know I know I know I know but I was poking and sort of prodding and kind of hoping and always watching for a reaction Reaction, reaction, reaction. Are you watching, watching? Are you watching? Or just waiting to see?
All right, welcome back. I hope you guys noticed that little Easter egg in the lyrics. I won't, I won't spoil it for you because I know you guys are an, an intelligent, an intelligent audience. So you guys probably, you know, figured that out. But you know, just saying, you know, just saying. Again, are we cool now? It is playing at the Colch. I recommend everyone to go take a look. Right now, we're now going to go into the sharing science show, and um, this week we have. Rohit, who is a biomedical engineer, Tanya, who is uh, doing engineering physics, and Damien, also doing engineering physics, and features two guest education researchers. And I hope you enjoy. This was the Arts Report, September the 23rd. Thank you so much for all of our guests for uh, joining in with us today. Uh, Penelope Corin, Andy, Dama. Dama. And um, we're now going to go into the Sharing Science show. Thank you, and see you all next week on CATR 101.9 FM on Wednesdays at 5 o'clock. This is the Arts Report. It's a very small stage. I think it's much more interesting to live not knowing than to have answers which might be wrong. It's not really about going to another solution. But the way you try to solve it. Beauty at this dimension of one centimeter is also beauty at a smaller dimension. Hello and good evening. You're listening to UBC Sharing Science Radio, broadcasting from CITR 101.9 FM on unceded Muskingum territory at the University of British Columbia. I'm your host, Rohit Singla, filling in for Alan Manning tonight. With me in studio are Damien Quinton and Tanya Rusi. Sharing Science Radio is here to bring you a weekly dose of science news, discussion, interviews, and, on occasion, local events. On tonight's show, we're going to examine just how you think. No, not quite a psychology episode. We're going to take a look at science education, how you as students learn, and, well, how teachers teach. And we've also got a special surprise. We have a double whammy of expertise joining us tonight as well. We'll hear from Dr. Natasha Holmes, former Let's Talk Science Executive Coordinator and currently a postdoctoral researcher at Stanford, as well as Dr. Jared Stang, a science teaching and learning fellow with the Department of Physics and Astronomy, as well as the Carl Wyman Science Education Initiative. But before we even get there, what's the importance of it? Why research science education at all? Damien, do you want to feel this one? The importance of having a scientifically literate society